Hello, welcome to our inaugural podcast. This is the God That's Terrible Should Be We Are. No. Mm. It can be edited. Yeah, it can be edited. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Bloopers. Alright. Good evening, and well, well, it might not be evening where you are, so we'll just say hello. Welcome to our inaugural podcast. We are the God Brothers. My name is Timothy Wright Jr., and we have. Dominic Speller. Alright, and we're just going to be talking. Some stuff that's on our hearts and on our minds, and we hope to make this uh, a good experience where you can kind of get some of our insight as we get one another's insight. Um, but before we get started, Dominic, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, how we met? Um, so, we share a set of godparents, um, the Newsoms, wonderful family, and we both grew up um, in the same church, New Hope, in Norfolk. This is true. And uh, we were a part of an organization, the Young Marines. <laughs> and there is one event that I'll never forget. Uh, we went on this encampment. <laughs> and I was the platoon leader. Uh, and I was so tired. But, you know, I was making my chicken at the fire. And somebody threw dirt in my chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I was just hungry and angry. <laughs> So then we had police duty, whatever that is. We had to pick up trash and uh, like put the trash in our pockets. And my dad gave me a $20 bill. And when I emptied the trash out of my pocket, I threw away the $20 bill. And they let me know that while I was asleep, they stopped at Hardee's. And it was just awful. And I slept for 16 hours straight when uh, I got home. Yeah, so. Oh, man. Yeah, and your uh, grandmother, excuse me, she was our... She was EXO, I think. Was EXO treasurer? Something, she was something. Something to that effect. She was something. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. I guess you know that it was Pearson that punched her in the back of the head. No. Oh. But that, I mean, that makes sense. He was a. Yeah. He was a lovely gentleman. Yeah. Yes. I learned he's my cousin, actually. Oh, did you? I did. Oh, man. But sorry, uh, Sister Finney, yes. Pearson punched you in the back of the head. That's interesting. All right. So, <laughs> without further ado, I'm going to talk about some real stuff. All right. Uh, today, our initial topic is, is college worth it? So, if you could sum it up in one word, answer. Yes or no? no. Just before we dive into it. You say no. No. So, just because I was always taught you have to argue the non-affirmative, I will say yes. Okay. But with shades of no. Alright. So, I have kind of gone through some of the pros of college, and okay. maybe if you have some pros, we can kind of bounce off. Sounds good. And before we get into that, we can kind of talk about experience. Alright. I graduated from Lansdowne High School uh, in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I started at Lansdowne with TCC's dual enrollment program, so I got a lot of my English credits out the way. So I had credit, I had 32 credits or something like that when I graduated. I just kept going to class until I didn't have to go anymore. Um, I went to Hampton University, our home by the sea, and I didn't like it. Transferred to Old Dominion University, where I graduated with a degree in occupational technical studies, I think it was called. Long story short, I became a marketing education teacher. And then I went off into school to teach at the Alternative School in Virginia Beach. Then I quit. That's a long story. We'll talk about that later. But I'm back at my alma mater, Lansdowne High School, for the third time starting a teaching career. <laughs> what about you? I um, graduated from Granby High School in Norfolk, Virginia. I um, was in the International Baccalaureate Program. Uh, that means he's smart, y'all. But I did not complete it because I graduated after my junior year. Um, so I went to ODU, studied criminal justice, um, finished there in December of 2007, um, and then did a semester at Regents Law and Public Policy Program um, and did not go back. <laughs> uh, after, after that, I joined the Navy um, spent seven years as a nuclear machinist mate for the U.S. Navy. Um, I got out of that in September of last year, and since then, I have been making beer with Anheuser Busch. Oh, Williamsburg Power Plant. Yeah. 
That's where uh, Latrice and Doris's dad worked. He worked at Budweiser. Really? Yeah. He like it was like a big showing, you know, when he passed from okay. the farm. That's cool. So you get wow. Bush Garden tickets. No, not even. Oh, because they separated. Yeah. They're, they're not owned by Anheuser Busch anymore. Bush Gardens is now owned by SeaWorld. So yeah, that's fun. Interesting. So you can hear a little bit of our perspective. So with that, we can go into our pros. So pros for me. Obviously, you have this sense of accomplishment. You know, I I was able to apply to get into something and, you know, be deemed worthy to go whatever school it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I committed to it and I finished it and I wanted to finish with a sense of excellence. You know, I you know, graduated uh, cum laude with my first degree. The second degree was an associate's. I graduated from Tidewater Community College with an associate's in funeral service. So I became a funeral director as well. And I graduated from that program, Magna Cum Laude, and that was actually tougher than my undergrad at ODU. Um, another pro I have is, you know, you have a lot of growing up experiences, be it like that social aspect or, you know, getting that responsibility, you know, stuff is due, you got to get it done, you got to talk to a teacher, you got to broker a deal, whatever. And you also have that credentialing aspect, like when you say I have a college degree, like, nobody's going to really ask you for your transcript on the spot, on the street. But to say I graduated from somewhere, a lot of times that says to somebody that you know something. But even if I want to go into public service, if I want to be a CEO one day, or oftentimes people in ministry, if you don't have that paper, they're not really trying to hear what you have to say. So, those are some of the pros that I have. What pros do you think? Um... First off, that uh, that it's it's you have like you were saying you have that piece of paper, so you have that that four year degree from university, which a lot of times doesn't. Um, I don't think it necessarily says the jobs. Hey, I I know more than person B, but it says you were willing to commit and complete something that um, not a lot of people are willing to do. Um, most colleges also require you to have. Uh, that, that general studies, which takes you into varied fields. So sometimes you may discover something that you had a passion for that you didn't know, um, that you didn't know you loved. Physics for me was super important. Um, and I, I discovered a lot during that course that I cared about um, mechanical engineering and mechanics that I, I would have never thought of before. So those to me those things are important obviously if you there are certain job fields if you if you want to go into those that you just have to have a degree right True. you intend to be a doctor you intend to be a lawyer unless you're Dr. Love <laughs> <laughs> pharmacist any of those any of those fields dentists or you have to you have to complete that degree so depending on where you want to go in life um, you may you may not have a choice, right, but to complete that four-year degree. So um, there are those are some of the immediate pros that I see. Now, I think you know you always want to see the pros outweigh, you know, the cons. But like anything, there are cons. Right. And like I said, I'm I'm going to try my best to argue his non-affirmative. But my cons list is a lot longer than my pros list, <laughs> and I'll just be quite honest. But for me, I don't know that you have the same experience, but ROI is the biggest color, return on investment. Right. When you think about the amount of debt that you put yourself into, it reminds me of one of the jobs that I had. I used to sell timeshare. And mm. legitimately, I spent my time. It, I found it to be a little bit unethical, so I left. But I had the opportunity to make six figures easily. Right, there are people that I know making two, three, four, even five hundred thousand dollars a year selling that stuff. But it's a very big psychological sale. Whereas you bring somebody in, they don't exactly know what they're getting and how much they're spending, but yet you convince them that it's worth something, and they leave thousands of dollars in debt, and all they leave is with a bag of pamphlets. And I kind of feel that's the same way when it comes to school, like. You go through this process with the promise that you'll have a job on the other end, but a lot of times that job isn't necessarily there. Or if that job is there, 
what you're being paid according to what you spent to get that credential, to get that job, it doesn't add up. I'd be quite blunt. I have $90,000, $80,000, in student loan debt. And most of that was just because of irresponsibility on my part. You know, being young, you get that mm-hmm. refund check. Work. Exactly. Man, you're rich. Right. But, yeah, I make half of that <laughs> as a teacher. So the likelihood of me just stroking a check and paying that off on a teacher salary, it's not that great. What cons do you have? I have more, but I just want to go back and forth um, a bit. So immediately, that uh, the return on investment right, is obviously something I think we can all agree with. The, the other con is um, not just the, the return on investment as it stands, but comparative to someone without it. Right? Looking at some of the research, the, um, your employability is only 4% higher. So for 2016, um, the employment chance, the employment of a college graduate um, one year after graduation was 83%, of a high school graduate was 79%. So you really have a 4% greater chance of employment um, for right, X amount of dollars in, in student, student loan debt. Um, I also believe that college, as everyone, as we keep encouraging everyone to get a bachelor's degree, it's becoming less and less of a marketable of a marketable thing. That's one of the things I said. Um, the market's saturated, right? It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. But drive time, for example, requires you to have a, a four year degree to sell cars. So every we're just we're now saying, okay, well, to do this job, you have to have a four-year degree. Is it an applicable degree? Is it useful in the job that you're performing? It, it doesn't matter. You have a four-year degree in basket weaving, you can go do this job. It doesn't matter whether or not it actually applies to what you're doing. Well, before you go on, I want to go back to your point of 4% uh, employability. So you're saying if you have a college degree, you stand a 4% chance better? 4%, right. So... Just um, so the National Center for Education Statistics um, is where I'm getting a lot of my statistics from, right? Mm-hmm. And so for employment, um, so uh, percent. Um, no, this is for this is based on field of study. So the percent of college graduates employed one year after graduation was 83 percent. They also break it down by um, field of study, which is even more alarming. Um, that the last one they did though for there because they did them every ten years. The last one they did there was two thousand seven, two thousand eight, right? Where you see biological and physical sciences employment is at forty nine percent, engineering is at sixty one percent, right? Um, social sciences and history is at twenty one percent, humanities at twenty seven percent, health professionals at eighty one percent, business and management at forty nine percent, and so not um, not great return for that um, and so true so are you saying like just want to make sure I understood if I just graduated from high school I stand a better chance of being employed no okay your, your that's chance, what I was your chance is 4% lower oh that's what I was saying okay 4% lower with just the high school diploma so they were employed at a rate high I school graduates that. are employed at a rate 79% and college graduates were so you're saying that margin is it's, not that not great enough it's not enough to justify the $90,000, or in my case, because I, I decided to go to grad school, $110,000. Yikes! Right in student loan debt. Now, the, the largest return that I've actually got for investment, because I work in a mechanical field, was because I was a machinist mate in the Navy. So the skills I had as a machinist mate in the Navy actually would allow me to get the job with Anheuser-Busch. My mm-hmm. criminal justice degree plays no bearing oh, I'm whatsoever that. That's on, my cons. on the job that I'm doing. And I'm able to make significantly more money as a mechanic um, operating as a mechanical technician than I would be operating as law enforcement or uh, within some type, some aspect of the criminal justice system. I'm looking at maybe thirty-five to $40,000 a year in most law enforcement agencies. Now, I also have to say two things. One, it really depends on where you live, too. Sure. Because I lived in Rochester, New York, for a brief period. That's where I met my wife, got married, moved there. 
and the amount of money that you are able to make there as a teacher versus here pales in comparison. Does it? Does the cost of living though? way cheaper? Is it cheaper in Rochester? Rochester, New York, is wow. not. It's on the west side of the state. Okay, so you're not in the city where everything's inflated. Well, so I, I lived in upstate New York in yeah. uh, Saratoga Springs, Boston yeah. Spa. I lived there for. That's not too far from Rochester. Okay, I lived there for a year and a half, maybe. Um, the Navy had me up there doing some training, and uh, so just as a, a price point comparison, the I was looking at apartments. It was myself, my wife, and my son. We were looking at a two-bedroom apartment. And this is just an apartment. And it was running me $1,600 a month before I paid a single utility Bro. for a two-bedroom apartment. Now, one thing about New York, and I don't want to deviate too far. Right. The taxes will be higher, but what you get for your tax dollars is so much better. Okay. Like, they have some program they're called Child Health Plus. So okay. it's like state health insurance. We pay like 30 bucks a month or whatever it is. It's based off of your salary. Okay. But like up there, you could be making seventy, eighty thousand dollars. Here, you wouldn't qualify for anything because you're too rich. Okay. But I think she was paying somewhere in the ballpark of eleven to twelve hundred for a house that was a mortgage. Beautiful. Yeah. So like, <laughs> if I didn't have some of my ties to this area, right? Because I don't mind the cold and the snow. I I wouldn't mind considering it. Going back up there, but I'm here. Right, right. But to your point, four degree, and I think this is part of the political game that's played because oftentimes the employment rates or employability rates are thrown out. Mm-hmm. But what are you earning? So I have this from Cornerstone uh, University, okay, and they're just talking about the earning potential based off of your level of education, okay. So the average across the board is $860 earned a week. Okay. But if you have less than a high school diploma, you know, dropout or GED, you're looking at $493 earned a week. High school, eight, I mean, excuse me, $678. Some college, no degree, $738. Associate, $798. Bachelor's, $1137 a week. Master's, $13. A PhD is the highest at $17 and just a doctorate and whatever. You're looking at about sixteen hundred. Okay. So even though you have that employability, the earning potential over the course of lifetime is a difference of millions between a college grad and a high school diploma. Right. I I agree. Um, the I guess the biggest thing though that I I would have to I would have to ask them, so. You're looking at greater earning potential. Let's just look at the difference between bachelor's degree and high school diploma. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, what would you what would you say your number was for per week? For high school, six seventy eight on average. Uh-huh. For bachelor's degree, eleven thirty seven. So just under double. Just under double that yes. you're earning. Okay. All right, and that that kind of puts on par the numbers I have. And this is yearly for a high school diploma and nationwide mm-hmm. about forty two thousand a year. And for a bachelor's degree is seventy two thousand a year, so about about thirty thousand more. So again, roughly the same thing we're looking at here. So, but mind you, they ain't my situation. <laughs> Quite honest, I ain't so making you, seventy thousand. If you take those into consideration, you're saying um, double, right? In essence, in essence. So the number for bachelor's was one more time. It was eleven thirty seven. So let's just 11, call it eleven hundred. Eleven hundred a week. For yeah. 52 weeks a year. All right. So 52,000 plus another 5,200. So about 60,000 for, for, for nuclear math, for engineering math. So 60,000. Right. How much? <laughs> how much of that is actually disposable income that can be used to pay back those student loans that you spent money on if you make $60,000 a, a year? Good point. I worked, like I said, I work at uh, Lansdowne High School. And one of my like closest work buddies, he actually isn't there anymore. He got a promotion, but he's a custodian. Okay. And this actually goes into a, one of my cons. And a con that I don't really like is the stigma that that credentialing gives you. Yeah, it makes you seem learned, but a lot of people feel that if they don't have it, they're less than. Okay. And he was one of those. And he was, man, Tim, man, you so smart, man. You got that college degree. I was like, bro. It's like, you don't have $80,000 in debt. Exactly. And, like, 
you are seeing yourself as less than, and I think that's the thing that people really need to open their eyes about. Yeah, I have a piece of paper that's not even hanging on the wall somewhere. Right. But if I have this so-called low-end job, but I don't have that debt, I'm really making more than I really think. But you right. don't and, have that frame. Of, and also, not to not to play into the cons, but every job, and this is just completely unrelated, every job is absolutely essential, right? So, and that's one of the bigger problems that we have so many, let's just take for example, we have so many people who want to engineer, mm-hmm. who want to design, who want to create, who want to develop, but we need people who actually are willing to build it. Mm-hmm. The nine times out of ten, not even now, we'll say seven, eight times out of ten, the people who have the mechanical engineering degrees never turned a wrench, mm-hmm. never actually put something together. So they have this design idea in their head and they, they build it, but they don't know if it's actually going to function the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. They, they just draw this thing on paper. A prime example of it, obviously there are caveats, prime example is a toaster. Why does it go so high that it turns your toast completely black? What engineer said to himself, hey, let's just put this last setting on a toaster that no one should ever use. <laughs> it doesn't. These are the types of things that don't make any sense that engineers typically are not thinking of because they've never actually operated the equipment. Well, that's true. And I think you probably see that a lot in the military, too, oh, where you have officers get these commissions. Yes. Now you outrank somebody that's been in there for 38 years. Uh, and you don't know anything. The, I will say the benefit of this, um, of the military, is this. Um, your chief is typically your enlisted level expert. So, and this is just from a Navy perspective. I don't, I don't know what the rank is for other military branches. But from a Navy perspective, right, once you've attained that, that level of chief, if a brand new officer were to walk into a room and to tell the chief what he thought it should be and that chief disagreed, no one is going to listen to the ensign because at the very they do understand mm-hmm. the experience and the respect that chief has earned in over his time mm-hmm. um, working to earn that. So it, it they do at least have that. You're not it's not like a civilian job where you're gonna walk in and now you're the boss and you're the manager and because I am the boss and manager I get to just tell you. The military does at least respect the experience. You did tell the people that you were in the Navy. Oh, yes. I, I said I did. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did seven years in the Navy. Yeah. Yeah, because you might just started <laughs> busting out all the stuff like that. <laughs> all right. So we kind of got that. Yeah, there's earning potential. But at the same time, if that earning potential doesn't outpace your debt, then is it really worth it? Right. Well, moving on, another thing that I said, and you kind of alluded to it, is like a lot of what I learned in my degree it was not even applicable to my degree or what I do. And to have such a narrow focus of what it is that I'm supposed to master with this degree, and then with this degree, I can't do anything but that, it just kind of sucks. I, I will say this for college. It's not my belief that when I graduated with a bachelor's in criminal justice that um, college expected me to be expert on that area, on that field. I do believe that the intent of college is to teach you how to learn, how to research, and how to gather information in order to develop knowledge yourself. So while I did walk out and there were still a lot of holes, still a lot of questions, a lot of that stuff was filled in because, for example, we research the information that we're presenting here. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who don't know how to get on and search for that type of information. I teach them. And it, and it not be from <laughs> right something that their buddy posted on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and actually be from a, a, a referee. Right. They don't even know what a refereed article is. Right? Mm-hmm. So um, I believe that's one of the things that is important for college that it just really teaches you how to learn not necessarily what to learn okay well i agree with that but like i said to sit through years of something Mm -hmm. like for instance i had to take pre-calculus okay what does pre-calculus have to do with being a marketing teacher i'll tell you (laughs) absolutely nothing i took my physics requirement was fulfilled at odu Mm -hmm. by taking astronomy and I really hope my astronomy teacher is not at ODU anymore. But 
the um, did you have the do the old guy? Yes, and you took class. Yeah, in the planetarium. It was amazing. I loved the day the class period before an exam. He would stand in the middle of that planetarium, and he would be holding the exam, and he would read you the question. Yeah, read you the multiple choices. The class would come together and generate the answer. He would let you know whether you were right or wrong, and he did that through the whole test. Mm-hmm. The very next class period, you took, took that the test. exact test. So what did I learn about astronomy in two semesters? Well, thank God I had <laughs> Mr. Shaneyfelt. I love you, Mr. Shaneyfelt. At Lansdown High School, <laughs> the best to ever do it. But it's kind of funny, sidebar. Uh, we, like I said, God brothers, we were at the same school and never knew. <laughs> That's funny. It took the same classes. Uh, but, um, yeah, I just feel I don't want my time wasted. And I feel, to me, even though I'm supposed to be arguing why college is worth it, and I'll talk a little bit more why, I just feel a lot of it was a waste of time. Like, I didn't stay on campus, so I didn't get the whole so-called college experience. Same. I didn't really need it. Um, I wasn't interested in it. But to have to take calculus or pre-calculus or... Now, to be quite honest, I was not really trying to be a teacher. Okay. I was at Hampton University, like I told you, uh, before we started recording. I was just lost. And I didn't even realize that what my major was. Okay. So I you know, decided, ooh, man, I think I want to be an entrepreneurship major. Because right now I'm a business management major. So let me go to my advisor and change. And they're like, uh, no, you are a business administration major. So I had no idea what I was doing. I was okay. just in there, a bag in the wind. But I just feel a lot of the classes that I took, I appreciated the knowledge that they gave me. Like, I took the psychology of women. That was interesting. Uh, I also took um, ethics, business ethics. Okay. And I also took, you know, uh, philosophy. Okay. Those classes, just because I'm a nerd. Right. And I'm a life learner. They've really helped shape how I look at the world. But in terms of actual transferable knowledge and skills to relate to what it is that I do, most of it did. But see, now now we're getting into the entire structure of the learning process because you can say the same thing for grade school. How many people that I went, I went all the way up to calculus and physics, right, um, by my junior year, like what use? Was that going to be? What use is it that I know chemistry and how to balance chemical equations? Like that's that's absolutely well that serves no purpose with my intent to go to law school. My in high school, I knew from high school that I wanted to go to law school. How does that help me? How does it help you? It helps you with critical thought, and it also helps you with abstract thought as well. But then, then the same could be applied to classes that aren't necessarily specifically degree applicable. Well, when you're talking high school, because at the same time, there's a discipline and a methodology that you have to perform X, Y, Z to get said result. Okay. So when you think of chemistry or when you think of math, like my grandmother, she was a math teacher. Okay. She said that she liked math beyond any other subject because it's an exact science. You're either right or you're wrong. Right. And when you have that mindset of knowing how to methodically go through a process, that is transferable. Just like we're able to research, there's a methodology. So you have that foundation that's laid. So that's really doing more about structuring how you think versus I need calculus. Well, I guess I just kind of answered my question. It still was stupid. I failed. (laughs) And I ended up changing my major because I couldn't pass calculus. Pre-calculus, I couldn't pass, but I was a teacher's pet. How did your grandmother math teacher feel about that? I don't know. She wouldn't hit him by then. She oh, okay. was, she was okay. upset. Okay. Right. But my <laughs> math teacher, sister, she was pissed. Because I Which called her Deidre. Oh, she teaches math? She's like a math whiz. Goodness gracious. But I called her the day before my final exam and was like, can you tutor me? <laughs> and she's like, you wait till the day before your final exam. She hung up. Perfect. And that's why I'm a teacher, because I failed calculus. Perfect. So, yeah, these are confessions. All right. <laughs> Well, one other, th- well, two other things, and then I'm going to kind of move from the conscious for the interest of time. Okay. Um, the more degrees you have, would you agree, the greater the risk of becoming that one that's overqualified? Absolutely. Overqualified. I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point. Overqualified is, um, so, all right, getting out of the military, there's a lot of um, 
especially if you're you have a technical job in the military. They have a lot of what's called headhunters. Mm-hmm. Lucas Group, Bradley Morris. I don't want to give uh, right Orion. I think those are all the ones I work with. Just so I'm not leaving anybody out. Anyway, so they they um, do these hiring conferences and pair you with a lot of different companies. You do six seven interviews in a single day. One of the things they talk about is that aspect of uh, overqualified. And one of the things that somebody mentioned at, at one of the conferences was that overqualified is the person's way of saying that you're going to take my job mm-hmm. because why would I hire my replacement? That doesn't make any sense. If I'm if I'm looking at your credentials and they're better than mine, if I'm looking at your resume, it's better than mine, overqualified is saying, hey, you're going to get in here. You're going to do your job better. <laughs> you're going to eventually do my job better and I'm going to be out of a job. So uh, absolutely, I'm and not going to hire that's you. That's the problem with our society, to be quite honest. I worked at a place. I will not give the place its name because I'm not even going to try to advertise for that place. I won't even say if it was a fast food restaurant, which it was not, but it was a place I worked. And it was god-awful. But I can say that I appreciated the process more so now that I'm not there because I learned a lot and I got a lot of experience that I never got before. But I do feel to a point when you have those levels of insecurity, it's not good because... When you think about it, I'll use a church for example, so we're not even talking about him. You have pastors that are like 738 years old. Like, it's okay for you to sit down and empower somebody else. That doesn't make you any less pastor. But if you are on the go, you're going to make sure that this stays afloat and it goes. That your light shining is not going to make mine shine any less. That's true. I, I agree. However... There is still a limited number of quote-unquote resources within the world. And if you have them, if you have the resources in your hand, I don't have them in mine. Just back to the job aspect, if there is only one head of training and your entire resume shows that you spent your whole career training and I'm the head of training, why would I hire you? There's only one position you would take literally take my job. It's not me giving you shine and letting somebody else help. You would take my job. That is why would they be hiring for that job? They might. So the they're not necessarily hiring for my job. They hire. So if I hire you to work for me, mm-hmm. you excel in your position. Yeah. You're eventually going to move up at some point or another. The question may come up: Why is he? Not doing your job because he would be better at it than you. That's what they look at. But that's like pure competition. So that means you just stay on your P's and Q's and do something. <laughs> like for real. Like it, it, so. Do I stop and stunt the growth and progress? That that would be a great way to look at it. Or if I never bring you in, then we never have to worry about the competition. Well, we're gonna talk a little bit about that in our next podcast. <laughs> but I just feel. If that was one thing this man told me, even though he didn't live by that philosophy, he's like, if you ever start a business of your own, and I won't talk about the business, he's like, the first person that you need to hire is your replacement. Because when you think about efficiencies, you can't make money and do everything and live. You can't thrive that way. You exist. So, shoot, if you could do a better job, do it. I'll pay you. You make me more money. I, I, now, that's the part where... So I don't agree with the concept, per se, of overqualified. And I don't know that I even agree with not hiring somebody because they will be better at the job than you. I do get where he's coming from, that you want to hire your replacement. But I, I also... Um, and this is referring to TV. So, episode of House... Um, in the later seasons, he was doing an interview, this candidate elimination process to yeah. replace a doctor he lost. Mm-hmm. And it was a great doctor. But he told him, the reason that I'm not going to hire you is because you think just like me. I don't need someone who already has my ideas. Right? What good does that do? I have my ideas. I need someone who thinks differently. I need someone who's going to challenge whatever I'm thinking. That way, there is a greater representation of ideas per se at the table 
So I don't want to hire the person who's just like me. I'm already just like me. I don't need those ideas. I have them myself. I think that is a slippery slope. Okay. Because even with that, you're black, I'm black. Right. You're male, I'm male. You have G-Man style glasses. I have G-Man style glasses. I do. (laughs) But we aren't the same. True. So even with you thinking somebody has similar thoughts or whatnot, they're not going to be the same because your experiences are different. Your context, your perspective, all of it is going to be different. So even if somebody has something similar, there is some simpatico. You can find some ways that you can strike balance and they'll even be able to check you on some things that you think you're strong in. So... Yeah, hire them if they're good. This is my thing. If you can do the job and do it well, who am I to qualify? Because at the same time, there was or will be a time when I'm sitting on the other side of the desk. And would I want to be shortchanged because you think something about me? So you have to look at it from perspective of wearing both shoes. Yeah. I feel. Well. I get that. Well, my last piece, and it's kind of as far as the cons are concerned. Okay kind of goes into a part that you made because I brought up market saturation whereas like bachelor's degree almost becomes like the high school diploma plus one <laughs> but the more the more I think about it the quality of scholarship has declined would you agree or disagree? Explain it. Like when I was sitting at Old Dominion University and I was looking at the products of my peers mm-hmm. in their writings it was so trash. I don't. Writing, I, I think that writing in general, English and mastery of the English language is a completely separate category because people, <laughs> because of cell phones. I mean, hey. People type papers. We're just conversating like they, ourselves. <laughs> we don't even. <laughs> we're just conversating. That's all. So people write. Like, like they, text. they text. Yes, they do. They write just like they text. Imagine and grading papers and even, looking at it. Even professionals. I was watching something on ESPN today, mm-hmm. and uh, the guy was commenting on something. And his this is a professional person who uses his Twitter account to s- disseminate professional information in that in that capacity, and had typos. And, and spelling errors, you just didn't proofread that. This is your professional representation, yeah. and it's not even proofread. In- English, to me, is a completely separate category. <laughs> well, but just even when you think of the quality of scholarship, like, for instance, in schools now, you know about SOLs. Right. Am I teaching for you to learn, oh, yeah. or am I teaching to pass a test? What are your thoughts on those I as mean, a teacher? As a teacher, I just feel... Like, I, I, I don't want to say too much. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, no. It's not about that because I was about to say something. What? But let's just say that you have a math teacher. Okay. That teaches you how to manipulate the calculator so that you can look at every question on your SOL test and you can plug in whatever needs to be plugged in so you can decipher the correct answer just by using stored values. Now you have an advanced pass rate that's so ridiculous. But did I really learn anything? They used to make us clear our graphing calculators at the start of the SOLs. Oh, yeah, you can clear it. What does clear have to do? The, it still stores the... No, like store values. So, like, when I go into my clear calculator, I can store 9 oh, okay. for X. Gotcha. No, I get what you're saying. So, now, now all I got to do is just plug in whatever the answer is gotcha. and figure out what it is to yeah. pass. I got quite a few people to pass the SOLs. Because I did a little remediation, too, on the side. I get, I get what you're saying. But the point is... Are we learning how to learn? No. We're learning how to regurgitate facts. And that was something I even saw when I was at Hampton University. But but that, and that, and I don't know how much I agree with this, but I'm just going to tell you what someone, uh, what a teacher said to me when I was in uh, power school, which is uh, one of the, part of the training pipeline for the Navy. I was in power school, and a student was explaining to the teacher that the biggest thing they tell us in new schools, you're not supposed to just memorize and regurgitate. You're supposed to learn and apply because the situations aren't going to be exactly the same in the fleet as they are when you're learning in the classroom. So a student brought that up, and the teacher said, yeah, but there's some things that you just have to memorize. You don't have a choice. The student vehemently disagreed. So the teacher asked him, okay, well, did you memorize the alphabet or do you understand the alphabet? And 
it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. There's some things that you do just have to memorize and regurgitate. There's no concept of learning and applicability for the order of letters in the alphabet. It's just something you memorized. True. But to that point, if I'm assigning a grade and a grade point average, is it that the valedictorian really learned or just remembers more than somebody who may not remember that well but actually grasp concepts? So that's where you split hairs. It's like are we rewarding actual learning or memorization? Well, that, I mean, that the valedictorian isn't going to be based on SOLs, so that has to be the way the teacher structures the test, right? Well, I'm just talking about over the course of school. Yeah. Because, like, I actually taught valedictorian, and I asked her about it. She's like, Mr. Wright, it's just a bunch of finesse for real. <laughs> bull, you know, whatever. I don't want to say it on the podcast. Yeah, she's like, it's just a bunch of finesse. And it gets to a point where... We know you're smart, and we know you'll get it done, and everything you do is going to be 117. I don't even have to look at it for real. Like, because we don't account teacher bias into the grading. True. It's there. True. Absolutely. So, I just say, you know, yeah, it's great to be able to say, you know, you can remember, and some things need to be remembered. Like, yeah, you need to know to stop, drop, and roll if you're on fire. But at the end of the day, application is what's missing. Because when I look at school students, students, students in school, sorry, they can't apply the concepts. And that, to me, is really, did you learn? But that's the difference that I was saying earlier between the engineer and the mechanic. Exactly. That, that, that is the difference. Those people who can memorize and regurgitate, they're the ones who are going to design your schematics on paper. That's what's coming the from? The people who can apply high school. are the ones who are actually going to... Graduating, <laughs> going to college, doing the same thing, just... Not dumb, but not learning anything. Then they go out to the workforce and still don't know anything. So to me, are we really serving people or even our society if that's how our educational system is set up? I, I am hoping that the price of college will cause the system to self-correct. Because the price of college, so what you're making as a college graduate if you is steady with inflation. <laughs> but what you're what you're paying for college is increasing faster than inflation. True. So, but why is that? Funny you ask. The price of college, the rate at which it increased, increased when the government started giving out student loans in the 90s. That's <laughs> a part of it. But when you look at colleges now, the ratio of administration or administrators to student population is so out of whack. You have several administrators, vice president is vice president, that, dean of this, dean of that, dean of this, dean of that, dean of this, making six figures. And then you also have some coaches. We do got to pay for that. That make a few millions. We, we have to and they that. bring in millions of dollars that don't really do anything for the tuition of the schools. I do want to say, though, that ODU's football team beat Virginia Tech, so just on that. that yeah, was go Big Blue. All right. Um, but, but, yes, that also plays a role. Um, but that's the reason why I believe that, it because it's a supply and demand. We it, Even college, even the need for a bachelor's degree is based on a supply and demand economy. So as the price of it starts to increase and people start to realize it becomes something that's unattainable, Fewer and fewer people will start to attain it, which will, they're, they're going to have to. You're not going to have a choice. It's not going to happen. You can't, at a certain point, everyone just can't afford it anymore. We couldn't afford it to go anyway. And what happened? <laughs> we got loans. <laughs> and they're <laughs> raping us. Well, excuse me, not raping us. Sorry, ladies, gentlemen, not there. That, they're taking advantage of us because they know we can't afford it. And all you got to do is sign here and just pay a little bit every month. So the, it'll go through the roof. The other reason that it won't happen is because it's so woven in a construct of our society that that's the next step. But we're, we're, we're literally running out of people to perform the other functions of society. It has to correct because you need the rest of society. I need someone to come and fix my plumbing. I don't know. All right. We're going to skip ahead. We're gonna skip, well, real quick, one thing. Because I do want to 
piggyback off of that. I said some alternatives for college, and I thought more so for the perspective of paying. One would be do military service, then get the GI Bill, and let that pay. College is free. Exactly. Exactly. The other thing that I said was, and this is something I just kind of learned. Let's correct the college. You receive a large amount of money to pay for college, and if you go to the right in-state college, it's free. And if you are a resident of Texas when you join the military, then it's absolutely free if you go to an in-state Texas school. There you go. Wow. Okay. Drop those dimes on us. Clarify that. Now the other thing, and I don't know if you know about this, and I know very little, but a little bit, ROTC. If you go through the ROTC program, you can possibly get a scholarship that pays for school while you're there. Mm -hmm. And then you do a little bit of service or exercises during your stay in college or whatever. And then you leave with a degree that was free and you can have the commission. So you'll make almost double what you would if you were enlisted. If your degree... If you end up getting the scholarship, the commission is not an option. You do have to serve. Okay. However, See, I'm that changed. scholarship process, um, and and I can only tell you how it was at NC State, but NC State um, exists as part of the Piedmont Consortium. So it's NC State, UNC Chapel Hill, and Duke. Duke. So it's, it's fairly selective. So I don't know that that can be comparative to other... And this is again only Navy and Marine Corps yeah. ROTCs across the nation. Oh no! So I've heard the Army is the better way to go, okay. just because it's the larger branch. Okay, and they accept more just All because. Because right. so I, I saw a lot of people who worked hard. So sometimes what can happen is if you don't get the scholarship, you're. I don't, and I I shouldn't say numbers because I don't know the numbers, but you can participate in ROTC events, right? And and go to, uh, they do. I can't think of what it's called, but you can go to the ROTC events and participate and apply for the scholarship. But it's at a certain point in your uh, in your progression through college where once you haven't gotten a scholarship at that point, they I mean you're you're wasting your time because mm-hmm. you're not going to get it anymore. Um, so yeah, there there are those options and they, and they fight for those spots. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's difficult to do. There's also right if you happen to know a senator who'll do a letter for you, you can just go straight to the Naval Academy. Is that right? Yeah. You you have to have a recommendation from a senator or Naval Academy graduate. And again, don't quote me on this. I should just look it up. I have my computer in front of me, but I'm not going to. So so you're one of those. Well, if you're so interested, <laughs> go for it. Now, obviously, no, you had another thought. To that point that you were mentioning, that's why I think Virginia Public School, well, at least Hampton Roads, I can't speak for all of Virginia Public Schools, but that's why I think Hampton Roads is so great. Because we have Votech. Uh-huh. So we do encourage that other option. Tree. We we do encourage them to take that other route. My little brother went to Votech and did, because um, he was interested in fire science and becoming a, a firefighter. Mm-hmm. So he went to Votech and did the, I think they have an EMT program there. Mm-hmm. So he, he did that at Votech. Um, my uncle, Ed Boffman, mm-hmm. he taught uh, some type Either technical, he teaches something. A tech ed teacher. Yeah, he taught something at Votech as well. I know he teaches technical drawing at Norview, but I think he taught something at Votech as well, if I remember right. But yeah, we at least at least in Hampton Roads, we do encourage the other options. Well, Virginia is very big on CTE, Career and Technical Education. Okay. And like we actually passed a law where every student has to have a Career and Technical Education certification. Really. But what ends up happening? Pretty much a lot of these kids don't take any CTE class, so they're forced into taking economics and personal finance, which is something they have to take by law now. So you have to have financial management, so you learn about taxes, you learn about how money works a little bit. I didn't know about that. This is new. Okay. I mean, it's after we graduated, of course. Okay. But there is a certification test to show that you're financially literate. I mean, that's very useful, and that, again, I will say... Going into the next part, that's very important in in the black community. Exactly. Because a lot of parents didn't learn it until they were out there. And so much of our society depends on you working that they don't have the time. And different topic. They don't have the time necessarily to teach their kids the financial literacy. Or have the knowledge. Or have the knowledge, right? And so I think that's the bigger problem than the time. I mean that's good that it's it's being taught in schools now. Well, Obviously, I can say for myself, and I think Dominic would agree, coming out of high school, we both thought we were cash, money, hot 
stuff. <laughs> and you know, get those little postcards in the mail that this school wants you, that right. school wants you. Brown University sent me a letter. Right. So I was just thinking, hey, yo, I'm young, I'm black, I'm smart. Somebody's just going to give me scholarship money and I don't have to do much for it. And I'm $90,000 in debt. But as an alternative to pay for school, you definitely can start looking for scholarships your ninth grade year, eighth grade year, and really accumulate. I had a student, ironically, who found all the scholarship money. Now he's not even interested in going to college because he feels he can make more money without it. <laughs> Smart kid. But <laughs> the final alternative is just don't go. Don't go to college. What's the point? One of the reasons I said don't go, many of our country's billionaires and millionaires are not college graduates, and many of them are college dropouts. And, you know, there's this fake stigma, you know, that created, you know, not like I said earlier, if you don't have this college degree, you're less than. But what's kind of interesting to me is how I will say having a college degree kind of creates like this good old boy society in some perspective. I don't know. Did you hear about Rich Paul? I was about to say, unless you want to be a sports agent, in which case you do need to go to college. Not anymore. They overturned it they today. They overturned it today. Because of pressure. Because <laughs> of pressure. So, so, in case you all don't know, <laughs> Rich Paul is an agent for a lot of big-time basketball. LeBron and AD to name, too. Yes. <laughs> so, really, what's kind of funny, I learned, like... LeBron met him at the airport. He was selling like t-shirts or something like that. It was like Get out of here. nothing serious. And they just struck a relationship and he selected him to be his agent. Wow. So this guy's able to broker real deals. Whereas, you know, back in the day, you know, you're a good basketball player. Okay, well, let's go knock on Nike's door and let's do this. Just giving everybody like rubber stamp stuff. He really brokered a lot of creative things. And... You know, a lot of people were threatened by that. What's interesting is that a lot of agents, so, and it might not be this way anymore, but at one point, a lot of agents were uh, law school graduates yeah. who couldn't pass the bar, and they went, you know, you can't practice, you can't you can't practice in court, yeah. so I'm going to go do contracts. Hey, <laughs> they found the money. So they created this rule last week where in order to represent college students that wanted to go into the NBA, you had to have a college degree yourself. And everybody obviously saw that he was the one in the room that did not have. And there was a lot of backlash from a lot of NBA players and various individuals. And consequently, they repealed that little rule. Well, that's great. It should be repealed. Now, the next thing that I say, don't go. I have a list of jobs that are six figures that do not require any kind of college degree. And that goes to your point where a lot of times we overlook these things that we can do with our hands. Mm -hmm. There was a guy that told me, he said, Timothy, you need to get a terminal degree because you can always teach and you can always consult and somebody will pay you for it. But you also need to have an inelastic trade. I mean, not trade, trade. Something that somebody's always going to need. Somebody's always going to need their their plumbing plumbed. Mm-hmm. Somebody's always going to need their car fixed, their AC fixed, you and somebody's always going to need a body and bomb. So I became an embalmer. <laughs> you know, my dad does carpentry. Did you know? I didn't know that. Yeah, does carpentry. So like that's it. that's what he that's what he taught us growing up. Um, we used to redo kitchens. I think the I want to say that was one of the biggest projects we we did was re, we uh, redid the kitchen. But when I say we redid it, I mean like literally mm-hmm. floor up. We took out the floor. We were standing on the ground in the crawl space. Wow! And putting the floors back in, lining the joists back in to build the floor up, redo cabinets. Did did the whole kitchen literally ground up? That's and, awesome. Um, yeah, I mean it was a cool. So it's one of those skills that I had when I was living down in North Carolina. I did just a handful of jobs for mm-hmm. some extra money. And it was, for me, at least, it was it was simple stuff that I could do to make a couple extra dollars here and there. And that's the thing, man. Like, those extra dollars do pick up. Yes. Now, just to go over some of these, you have real estate broker, air traffic controller. To clarify, though, you do need to go to school to work in real estate. But you don't need a college degree. You don't need a college degree. It's just a certification yeah, that you can get. And it, it really only costs, it's, it's less than $1,000. Exactly. Yeah. Freelance writer, okay. small business owner, you know, there are different things here. But even off that, like, I don't know if I'm sure you heard about the boy that what won three million dollars playing Fortnite 
So, like, <laughs> that to me, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, more important than college. Learn how to make money and how to make that money make money. And also, if, if we're not um, aiming for the millions, there are uh, Newport News Shipyard, for example, mm-hmm. Huntington Ingalls. They hire, I think they're no experience, zero experience, fresh out of high school. They are hiring people at $17 to $18 an hour. Uh, or seventeen dollars an hour, and if you take a two-week course, you get bumped up to eighteen dollars an hour. They're a union job, so the union stipulates you will get a raise at these points throughout your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like I said, you'll be an eighteen-year-old kid making eighteen dollars an hour, which is roughly thirty-six thousand dollars a year. And so, I mean, with no student loans, hey, it's <laughs> so. not a bad gig. <laughs> Now, the other thing that I think a lot of people overlook are those non-traditional routes. Okay. Like, obviously, you just brought up, like, trade schools. Mm -hmm. People frown on community college. But truth be told, I really wish I started at community college and finished. I'm trying not to get sidetracked with this point. That is something else about college. You go to a, if I go to a four-year college and I drop out in the middle of my senior year, I walk away with nothing. Mm-hmm. If my friend goes to this community college and gets their associate's degree, theoretic, all things being equal, yeah. I have probably learned more information about the subject, but I have no piece of paper to show for it, whereas they have the associate's degree. And paid less. Right. I don't understand why four-year colleges don't have associates programs built in because they want the money that's why why would I give you a degree halfway through that you have no incentive to finish because you think uh, your degree you want a bachelor's though but there are a lot of people that be like I have a degree that's true it's like a bait and switch but <laughs> I do agree that you know some of these non-traditional routes but one my one of my good friends from elementary school he's tried kicking me into this program and it's like I'm just in an interesting space in my life right now where I know I can do a lot of things and do them well. It's just, which one do I want to do? You have the same but, thing my sister has. You just excel at everything, and so you can't figure out what I want to which do. one you want to hear. But <laughs> they have a program. I want you to look it up so you can see it. All right. General Assembly. G-E-N-E-R-A-L-A-S-S-E-M-B dot L-Y. So everything but dot L-Y. So General Assembly, what this is, it's like... Not really college, but it's college intensive where you go to this program. They either have some online, but most of them you have to go to a specific campus. And it's a 10-week program where you learn everything about this technical career and they guarantee job placement at the end. So one of the big things that's on the horizon right now is user experience. So, like, how your app on your phone looks or the layout of a website is deeper than web design. It's really how does a user interact with this user experience. And this is, like, one of those things that's emerging. And you go to this for, what, like, ten to $13,000 and get guaranteed a job at the end? But people don't know about this stuff. You know, there are opportunities apart from school that can give you a whole lot more opportunity than school would. There are similar opportunities and programs um, like that in the military, too. If you do end up joining the military, when you start approaching your last year, make sure you go to TAPS, um, which is the transition assistant. They changed it to, like, TGPS. But make sure you go to that one year before your EAOS because you'll be able to find out information about programs that are available to you within that last year, right? Obviously, needs of the military Mm -hmm. meeting and your command signing off and blah 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 but there are opportunities that are available that are very similar to that um, Mm -hmm. that uh, that you'll you'll be able to do if you have the time so if you wait till the last minute you won't find out about it and my favorite opportunity that's non-traditional okay for those of you that don't know which I assume is all of you out there in radio land Dominic, what was one of your interests that you started to pursue but you decided not to finish? Becoming a lawyer. Lawyer. Why did you not finish that? If you don't mind me putting you out there. I just did not care for school. 
Now, have you ever heard of reading the law? I have. So but why do you read the law? Because it takes ten years, and I do not. That's have not true. It's what not it, ten five years. years? It's, no, it's, 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 it's longer than law school. The person who is your sponsor has to have been a lawyer for ten years. It's not it take, taking you ten years. It takes longer than law school. That's for sure. Does it? Yes. I look. I looked this up. I did when I was. Uh, okay. And of course, well, was, he's not surprised. Never this mind. was ten years ago, right? But I looked it up. Um, those those many years ago, and Virginia does allow it. Um, so, for those of you that don't know what reading the law is, pretty much you're like an intern to a lawyer, but the lawyer has to have ten years experience, blah blah blah. But beyond that, you just sit under them and their tutelage, and they prepare you for the bar exam by all kinds of one-on-one study. So, well, he's not surprised because you already knew. So moving on. <laughs> All in all, we can wrap this up. My main thing is I feel what fuels this you got to go to college thing is a lack, fear, and poverty mindset that's ingrained in our culture. Because there are people out there making a killing and not working hard. And I just don't agree. I feel that we've been taught from a young age, if you work hard, you make more, you know, no hard work, no pay, whatever. There are people working easy. I got involved, and I haven't really been able to do as much as I'd like to, but just investing with stock options. When I saw what I learned and turned $400 into $1,600 within a couple weeks, if I had kept, you know, kept up with it, I'd really be sitting on something pretty right now. But that's opportunity that's out there for you that's not so much school. Or there's, you know, people advertising on Facebook, you know, doing different types of advertising and getting into marketing where people are making money. So the original intent of college, as I've researched, it was originally for, you know, ministers that wanted to go to seminary. But when it started being more secular, it was really just let me explore something that I'm interested in. So I think that to me is more important. I feel you should learn how to make money. Learn how to make that money make money. And if you want to go to college, don't let it be out of the necessity of getting a job, but just find something that you're passionate in. Because truth of the matter is, automation is huge. It is. It is. And a lot of jobs that people do right now, slowly but surely, they're going to be automated away. And like, I'm not even so sure that school as I know it will be here 50 years from now. We already started having what's called in Virginia Beach virtual learning days where you're assigned something online and then the student just works on it from home. So we had to come to work, but the student has come. Really? But is that just laying the groundwork for a virtual learning week? And then before you know it, I mean, it's cheaper to operate. You know they already have those. I don't know if Virginia allows it, but they already have oh, yeah. those K through twelve programs. That are but that's online. not the public school. No, it's that's not the, the different schools. So sure. that's what I'm saying. Like, are we slowly transitioning to a new platform? Like, it's going to change. Even when you think of truck drivers, Google is out there trying to get into the trucking industry. All these people driving trucks in five to fifteen years. They won't be that many truck drivers on the road. So my thing is, don't do something that's going to be automated away. Lawyers, there's a lot of that that can be automated away. Accounting, if you can get some strong AI, that's just where we're headed. <laughs> well, I don't know that. I don't know how much of a, just as a lawyer can be automated away. I don't know. I don't know how much of that we can actually automate away. When you think of, I, I, think of it from this perspective. That. A lawyer is paid to research, right? You go into a lot of law offices mm-hmm. and they have all types of books or whatever to go through all this code. You have AI that can get to things this quickly. Paralegals do most of that, though. But that's so they'll saying. be automated. I would believe a paralegal could be automated. Okay, but like, even still, that's just the beginning. Like yeah. We didn't think that horses would be automated away. We're not riding around in horses buggy now. True. So you have to understand, like, it's hard to really fathom something that we don't know. I, I suppose it's true. I think about it's coming. I think about the, Yang twenty twenty. I think about the personal interaction. 
I'm not gonna say that I endorse any any candidates. I endorse time. Yang. He's <laughs> gonna give me a thousand dollars a month. <laughs> give me my money, and I'll tell you why in the next podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, final conclusion. Yes. Final conclusion. Is college necessary for success in the 21st century? If you're a black man, yes. And there you have it. If you're a black man, yes. <laughs> but all things equivalent, you know, equal, excuse me, not equivalent, all things equal. It's not necessary, but there are some benefits that come with it. Because as much as I don't like how somebody can look at me in a more favorable light because I have it, and look at one of my brothers in a less than favorable light because they don't, that at least puts me in a position where I can at least make effective difference and change for them. So when I think of it from an altruistic perspective, you got to have something because that's the way to get into certain positions to make change. But just for in me in and of myself, man, if I could just sit and build websites or flip some money on Bitcoin, why would I worry about it? But if you're thinking about your life being beyond yourself, I think it's essential. What are your thoughts? Still no? Still no. <laughs> Still no. Still no. I am. <laughs> I, um, I believe that your ability to influence change in the way people are viewed is one, uh, your influence on people, right? So, so how you carry yourself and two, right? what you do so if if the the easiest way that you can change the narrative of how black males are viewed within American society is by not being part of the statistic of the stereotype yes and no because at the end of the day and now we're going into a whole other we are discussion. and we'll, we'll, we'll save that for another alright maybe we'll let that be all right. The black male and the stereotype. <laughs> How do we'll figure out what we're going to But this is the God Brothers. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got something out of it. And we'll look forward to you listening to what else we got to run our mouth about. How about it? All right. Thanks.